Right. <laughs> See, that's too cheesy. That is cheesy. That's <laughs> really. Let's never do that again. We're going to do it every single time. No, let's never do that again. <laughs> so, welcome back to uh, something to whine about. Something to drink about. Drink about. Something to drink about. Something to drink about. To, yeah, really, really, <laughs> really su- subtle there. <laughs> it's only punny if you don't overemphasize it. My name is Christy Collins. Yes, it is. Yeah, Isn't and what's it? your name? Uh, I'm Alex Van Amberg. I'm a certified sommelier with the Court of Master Sommeliers. I hold a certification as a specialist of wine from the Society of Wine uh, Educators. And tough, I'm tough, a tough. salesman <laughs> for Young's Market Company. So yes. I am eminently qualified to be here. And eminently. you? Eminently. <laughs> well, I am eminently qualified to be here. First of all, because... You have a face and you can put wine in it. I have a face. <laughs> I have what's called a palette. I do. I have extraordinary life experience drinking. No. <laughs> you're like one of the world's great underachievers when it comes to that. So you're a yoga instructor and a mom and... I think the yoga instructor in me makes me eminently qualified to taste wine. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Well, okay. I think being a mom actually makes you more qualified than anything to want to taste wine. <laughs> to definitely to want to taste wine. <laughs> okay, full disclosure, uh, we are married and we have three kids uh, who are upstairs at the moment destroying some sort of Minecraft village while we're down here doing this. <laughs> Hiding so, with a locked door. <laughs> and a bottle of wine that we're podcasting about. <laughs> it's like date night. <laughs> So anyway, all right, so let's talk about this wine. I'm not supposed to talk about it until you try it and talk about it. So what do you, let's talk about what you see in the glass first. All right, what I see in the glass is a very light pear color. Okay. Like the good kind of pear. So, well, let's start with basics for people who can't see the glass. Is this a white wine or a red wine, a pink wine, a green wine, (laughs) orange wine, blue wine? This is not a green pear. (laughs) This is the inside of a pear. So it's a white wine. And it's chilly, okay. and it's in a smaller glass this okay. time, and it's it looks lovely. It looks like well, white know. wine glasses are going to have a narrower profile than red wine glasses because you want to keep the wine more closely together because it stays colder longer that way. But you still want it to have that classic tulip bowl shape where the top of the glass is smaller than the bottom, holding it because that way it keeps Esther and her friends falling back <laughs> into the wine, diving where your, where your nose can capture her, diving. Okay, so. and it's I smelled it while you were talking, so uh-huh. I checked out a little bit. Really? Because <laughs> I checked out on what you were saying. That's shocking. Did you see the glaze over my eyes? I wasn't looking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it smells so good, I can't even stand it. What does it smell like? Okay. It smells like something. It does. Or a lot and of something. Okay, so definitely it smells like... Oh my goodness, there's a smell that I'm smelling and I can't put my finger on it. Definitely like a green melon, like a okay. what's honeydew melon. Good. But you know the the really sweet part of a honeydew melon? Or cantaloupe even? Or... Cantaloupe. Yes. Because honeydew is, is a green crisp melon with a little bit of sugared quality to it. But cantaloupe is really as ripe and musky. Right. And that's what I'm thinking of that sweet part of the green. What's the green cantaloupe? Of the melon. Yeah, of the honeydew. Honeydew. And then with the. Well, they're both melons. <laughs> <laughs> 
Really? I thought we weren't going to go down rabbit holes. We could talk about melons. So anyway, this one melon <laughs> that I had this one time with this guy. Okay, really? That Because that sounds wrong. Yeah. Okay. Edit button. Okay, anyway. Yeah, edit. <laughs> edit that one out. That was weird. So I definitely smell sweet, sweet melon. Okay. Um, well, what other, is there anything else? Is there citrusy notes? Is there, uh, is there, there grassy? Is there, no um, grass. okay. Is there, um, you know, does it smell like berries? Does it smell like, you know, small monkey? God, it smells like heaven. Okay. Heaven. There is a smell. What does heaven smell like to you anyway? Heaven. What is it? Yeah. Like the summer day. West Virginia. Almost heaven. West Virginia. <laughs> is that what it smells like to you? No. Cause okay. then I think about John the Denver. guy, John Denver with the glasses and the yeah. airplane going into the water. So oh, no. you're such an optimist. Rabbit hole. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, there's something, I think that you're going to be able to tell me what it is, but it's something that's so on the tip of my tongue and I can't think it. it's sweet. It's lovely. It, smells ripe it smells fun it smells like the perfect i don't know summer day okay oh kind of like when you land in hawaii and you get out of the plane and it's that smell of you're such an entitled white person (laughs) (laughs) god the number of times i've landed in hawaii first of all i haven't been to hawaii since i've been 12 okay okay I think it was 12 good sense recall on that because that was only like eight years ago or something right so (laughs) So recent. Eight years ago. Yeah, because I am fresh. Like this wine. Nice callback. <laughs> so it's it's florally, I guess. Okay. It's, there's this floral smell to the air when you get off the plane that you quickly get used to. But it's that initial hit of that floral smell. It's tropical. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, because tropical could be a lot of things. Tropical could be tropical jungle. Tropical could be sea spray. Tropical could be wet sand. Tropical, right? Am I right? I've heard you people say this before. I've you heard people. all your little you friends come over people. here. And <laughs> my little <Thanks>. friends. <laughs> Me and my little friends will be drinking wine in the basement, dear. Please. We'll be discussing tropical sands. Petalants. Musky sands. Musky melons <laughs> in the basement. Please do not disturb us with the tropical children. Tropical earth. So I... Uh, wow. It's um, it's like a sour patch kid. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. It's not sweet like I thought it would be, and it does not taste like liquid gold. However, it is very, it is very good for. It's like a an adult, a sour patch kid for an adult. Okay. It's like sour patch wine. Okay. <laughs> Did you ever have those jelly candy limes that have that sugary crust and then they're like really tart and bitter? Um, no. And, okay. The ones I had were those oranges with the sugar on the outside and then the inside it was like yeah, with half the jello, half bags. jelly bean yeah, okay. inside and they right. were nasty. Never mind. No commonality there. Moving okay. on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> candied citrus. <laughs> it's candied citrus. Is that what I'm tasting is candied citrus? Is that, is, the is that the word that you boys call it? it I'm sorry. Don't be sexist. You there so- are female psalms out there, and they're damn sight better than most men. Well, I just don't know any now, do I? Uh, All well, I only know one. Psalm people are I know two. Okay, three. I know a few. I didn't. But the first psalm I knew was a woman in okay. a French restaurant in Los Angeles. 
Okay. And she was good at her job. Well, I'm just going to sit here and stare at you because I never met her. Okay. So well, sure, anyway. she was great at her. Okay. Yeah, she taught me a lot. She taught me how to be a good host. Excellent. Yeah, how to uh, welcome people into your space. So uh, if you had a... <laughs> really, you're not going to comment on that. <laughs> Some things need to be left alone. <laughs> okay, so what would you say this wine was? I don't know. Like what kind? What yeah. kind of... What type? Like yeah. it's a... If you were to guess. What would it's you... not a Chardonnay. Nope, you're absolutely right. It okay. is not a Chardonnay. It's still a white wine. Okay, when we were first dating and we went camping but stayed in the hotel... And we went to the <laughs> yes. We went to the restaurant. I like camping, unless of course you're actually going to make me do it. In which case, hell no. <laughs> Mama wants a hotel. It was cold. We need it was cold <laughs> and hard, and we didn't have a mattress. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> and there was no shower or television. <laughs> okay, but remember that restaurant we went to, and we sat and we had the bottle of wine. Yes, this is what it tastes like. Okay. I did we have was that the same I don't remember wine? what we had that bottle really? time. No, I remember we had a white wine. I remember we sat at the beach. I just don't remember what it was. I didn't really care that much at that point. I was buying by price. Really? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's how much I knew about wine then. Back in the day when I was a younger bolder man. Um okay, well, you're you're right on time with most of the things that you're catching in the wine. Uh, because what this wine is, it, there's a lot of those things that are very typical of this grape coming from this area. Can I say one more thing? Oh, I'm sure you will. <laughs> <laughs> it's also drier than the white wine the other night. Okay. Yeah. Or the last podcast. This one is like, I feel it on the sides of my, like mm -hmm. it's a. It's more acidic. Okay. Yes. Rather than, I think, rather than dry, it's acidity that you're getting there. Oh, okay. Um, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but if it makes your mouth start squirting water and stuff like that. It does. It's not dry in this case. It's acidity that's doing it. It's almost it. like lemony, like lemon yeah. rindy. No, lemon is perfect. Lemon lemon rind, lemon grass. Those are things that, mm. lemon rind. That's what I mean by candy not citrus in a lot of ways is that. Yeah, but you're not, they're leaving out the sugar on this one. Well, it's there because it balances the acidity. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you, they have sugar in this. <laughs> they didn't add sugar, they didn't capitalize. But. So this wine actually is a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. Um, oh. It is Nabolo Icon, uh, coming out of Marlborough in Nabolo, New Zealand. Nabolo, not Nebbiolo? Nebbiolo is a type of grape coming out of Italy. Oh. Uh, Nabolo is a Croatian name Oh, uh, for the gentleman who founded this winery back in 18... So this winery was founded in New Zealand in the 1800s? No, I, I'm sorry. I, correction. Okay. It was actually founded in 1943 or so. Okay. Because he was a Croatian, um, which actually I guess was called Dalmatian at that point. But he was fleeing World War II. Oh. Because there was also sorts because his family had suffered through World War One, and so when World War Two was on its way, a bunch of people from the Dalmatian Croatian area actually headed to New Zealand thinking they were going to make a fortune in gum trees um, in rubber. Okay. But that didn't work out until they ended up planting what they knew, which was wine. And that actually didn't work out for them either for about 40 years. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but it was it was a really tough struggle because um, New Zealand actually had some of the... You remember the, the noble experiment here in the U.S. of Prohibition? New Zealand had it even worse. The and noble experiment. The noble experiment. I do remember the noble experiment of Prohibition, mostly from... The Untouchables. With the, Kevin well, Costner. the Untouchables and what's that other one with Woody Allen that was so funny with Meg Tilly and she was just don't know you don't remember that no I don't watch Woody Allen that much oh I know 
so awful. We'll have well, to watch it. Anyway, let's stay away from Woody Allen, but... Um, that's what most young women Jennifer say. Jennifer Tilly. Not Meg Tilly. Jennifer oh. Tilly. Okay. She was a riot. Right. Okay. Anyway, rabbit hole. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to take a drink and you screwed that up. Um, well, there's a lot of history in New Zealand, but mostly it starts around, for, for the white person, New Zealand history starts around the 1700s with Captain James Cook. Um, originally, New Zealand was discovered by Abel Tasman, who was a Dutchman who also discovered Tasmania, which is cool. That um, is cool. <clears throat> and then no one did anything with it for 100 years except for the poor Maori who lived there. Okay. Um, and then uh, 100 years later, uh, along comes Captain Cook. He actually charts the whole coastline, discovers it, gets in fights with people, loses wars, and then flees. He also, uh, but very, uh, I think he was there to record the transit of Venus or something. But anyway, so then. What is the transit of Venus? It was, uh, that's another rabbit hole, but a scientific experiment. In yeah, order- but you can't bring it in and then not have me ask it because then everybody's going to be like the whole time thinking, What's the Venus? Yeah. <laughs> in, in the 1800s, there was a big move by the scientific community to measure the actual distance of the Earth from the sun to give us an idea of where our place in the solar system really was. And by getting hyper-accurate measurements from all over the globe, okay. they could compare those measurements. And there was one instance that happens like every 10 years, and that's when Venus crosses between the Earth and the sun oh. um, and allows us an opportunity to measure it very accurately, which gives us a very precise idea of where we all are in relation to the solar system, which when you don't have the Hubble telescope or a space program is really hard to do. And you can't take these measurements from the deck of a ship and you can't take them if it's cloudy. So they, and honestly it was one of the biggest experiments put on by all these different scientific communities in all these different countries. And it got absolutely screwed up almost every single place in the world. Oh no. (laughs) And you know, people, this one guy, this one poor guy traveled all the way to India to take this. And it happens, uh, it happens twice. It happens in 10 years. There's two transits in 10 years and none again for another century. He missed the first one. Oh, by like because he got stuck in port and they wouldn't let him off the boat because of a quarantine. So oh. instead of going home, he settled in India. He spent ten years prepping his station and getting it all ready and having everything precisely lined up and polishing instruments and and, and making a living in the meantime. And then the day came, and it was cloudy. No. <laughs> so if ever you're depressed, <laughs> you did not waste a decade of your life in India. <laughs> To observe a scientific phenomenon on a cloudy day. You got that going for you. So anyway, so part of Captain Cook's mandate was to explore and and to measure from Tahiti, I think it was, the transit of Venus. But he also discovered New Zealand along the way. Captain Cook had a really good trip. Um, He did. uh, Although he was Lieutenant Cook at the beginning. And anyway, um, so... New Zealand um, finally starts being populated uh, by the white man. They start coming in. They, they use their guns to basically dominate the Maori culture at that point. Um, uh, a missionary at that point recognizes that some of the areas there are good for growing grapes. He starts growing grapes. But unfortunately, this is the 1800s. Phylloxera is making its way around the world. Phylloxera is a, is a root louse that came out of the U.S. Okay. Um, and it eats the bottom of grapevines. It loves them. Which is you don't even know you have it for like two years until suddenly your vine just dies. Okay. For so- no reason. It so. went around the world, not just in Europe. I thought it just happened in Europe. No. When people started... So you have to understand what plants were to people in the in the 1700s or so. When people discovered the U.S. and, and all the exotic fauna that was there... Um, the, they would fetch obscene prices in the rest of the in the old world, oh. and so people were taking all sorts of vines and plants and things back, things they'd never seen before. Douglas fir trees, uh, you know, the plants, animals, birds, all these things were really incredibly exotic. What's that movie with the ship? 
Wow. The ship and the... And Master the, and Commander? Yes! The yeah. cello player. The cello player. The guy... Yeah, no, the guy who was the naturalist. He was so good. Yeah, that's why he went He's, on to play the Vision in Avengers. Oh. He's a very good actor. Yeah. He is. But he, he, the love for all of this nature that he had and when mm-hmm. he had to leave it. I know. It was... Go it was back to those Well, ships. and the thing is, is the things Perfect. he was discovering, it would, it would have made his name. The sacrifice he made there was beyond just what he loved his first hobby. These are things that would have given him a career and a future and a history because he was discovering things no one had ever discovered before and he had to walk away from them to save his friend. Right. So that was a major sacrifice. Anyway. Um, great film, by the way. Master and Commander. So what happens is, so New Zealand then goes through phylloxera kits because people bring American vines over and it brings the root louse with it, wipes out the grapes, wipes out the grapevines. A louse, I'm sorry, I just have to ask this. Tiny little bug that eats roots. Okay, thank you. Um, and so what happened is then New Zealanders had to make a choice about what they're going to plant there. So they decided they made kind of a bad choice. What the French were doing is they were taking American rootstock, which was resistant to phylloxera, and grafting their vines on top of it. So mm-hmm. the roots would survive underground, but they'd get the good grapes from the Vitus vinifera winemaking grapes that they'd been using all along. So it was a compromise, but it saved France. Okay. It saved the winemaking in all of the old world. New Zealanders went another way and they decided to use hybrid plants that were made, that were combination, but things like Baco Noir uh, and other things that weren't particularly good winemaking grapes, um, but were very hardy and would survive in these conditions and would survive phylloxera. Unfortunately, it made wine that tasted basically like strawberry jam. Ew. Um, or, you know, or, or they would use it to make like sherry and stuff. So it wasn't a okay. good wine growing area. Fast forward to, you know, through the early 1900s through 1940, uh, and this is how bold Niccolo Nabolo was to go and plant grapes because he thought he could do something with it. And he did. He struggled for, for decades. So he's escaping World War II. Yes. And he finds this gorgeous countryside. Mm-hmm. And he starts planting grapes. He thinks this is going to be it. Yeah. Well, and okay. he and the other people are doing this at the same time. It's not a novel idea. They're all planting grapes. People are, yes. Um, okay. And then what they discover is that things change. Because what up until the 70s, they had, after World War II, they had what was called the 6 o'clock swill. Bars closed at 6 p.m. So everyone got out of work, could leave work, and they had to go pound all the alcohol they could <laughs> between 5 and 6 okay. when the bars closed. So it was called the 6 o'clock swill. So finally in the 60s, the 6 o'clock swill was repealed. People could finally drink at normal hours. Okay. And that meant also meant that wine could be sold not just to pubs in kegs but they could finally be sold in bottles at stores to consumers now there's actually oh, a market so you could for go wine to the market and get wine purchase a bottle of wine take it home mm-hmm. and share it with your husband while recording a podcast yes podcasts were huge in 1973 okay <laughs> um <laughs> let me get the real the real <laughs> so so in the 1970s, the government finally recognized there was an opportunity. So they paid people to tear up all the old back on noir vines and start planting new vines that would work. Traditional um, Bordeaux varietals, uh, Cabernet, Merlot, Pinot Noir, um, Sauvignon Blanc. And then with the real change came in 1985 when um, the company named Montana planted and sold a wine called Cloudy Bay. Cloudy Bay Sauvignon Blanc changed the world for Sauvignon Blanc. And for New Zealand. And New Zealand went from having 30 winemakers in the 80s to having 250 winemakers five years later. Wow. Incredible change happened. And they're still growing. They're still growing in a massive way. And people are discovering more and more what New Zealand has to offer. New Zealand is not a huge place. It's about as big as California. Maybe a little bigger. Same long, narrow profile. It's two islands and a bunch of little islands. The North Island, the South Island. And they're located right at a great point, a thousand miles away from Australia... 
So they're actually right near the Dateline. So they're the first vineyards in the world to see sunlight every day, <laughs> which is cool. That is cool. Um, and they have one, the southernmost vineyards in the world as well. And But because they get this great marine influence, it cools it down, even though they're fairly warm, getting closer to the equator tropical heat-wise. So they have this great, cool, growing climate, this amazing alluvial soil. They have this amazing... I'm sorry, alluvial soil. Alluvial soil, soil that's, that comes from being washed down by rivers, down oh, mountainsides. Um, beautiful. But also, again, in the same way that Australia is unique to the world and the history of the world, New Zealand is one of the most untouched places on the planet. There are places in New Zealand you can walk where no one has ever walked before. Hmm. Um, and so the soils they're discovering there are unique. Um, it's basically one long mountain range running down the middle, uh, and it's very dry on one side and very wet on the other. People are planting on the dry side. It's very cool. You can grow cool climate grapes. You can grow warm climate grapes in some areas. So they're getting some really amazing wines uh, mm-hmm. out of New Zealand, um, and uh, it, it's really an exciting place. So this is actually where this comes from. Marlboro is on the northern tip of the southern island, and it's one of the most well-known wine-growing areas in the New World, New World not being Europe. Uh, we need to put a map on our podcast notes. That would be great. When we have podcast notes. <laughs> so what New Zealand does that's interesting with Sauvignon Blanc is it changes the way Sauvignon Blanc is perceived. It used to just come out of Bordeaux in France. And it was, um, and a little bit of the Loire Valley as well. They made Sancerre. I don't with, know where the Loire Valley is. Loire Valley is northern France. Oh, okay. Um, Got it. But it was a Sauvignon Blanc wasn't really that exciting, um, and people weren't really interested in it. There was a couple of people you had to know it because you didn't go. I'd like a Sauvignon Blanc in 1970s. You would go. I would like a Sancerre. Um, I think Chenin Blanc. Chenin Blanc is made with Chenin Blanc. Grapes. Is that different? <laughs> That's different. And Chablis, actually, no, is that what is I'm Sauv- just Sancerre trying to or think Sauvignon? of? My stepdad was such a big Chablis Chardonnay wine guy, and yeah. he would say, "I'll have a Chablis." Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Chardonnay. He's having Chardonnay. Oh. Okay. Um, because it comes from Chablis. That's okay. what they grew there. They grew that. So anyway, so Sauvignon Blanc wasn't really well known, but it grew well in New Zealand, and it expressed itself very differently when it grew there. To have this very grassy, very cannily, very tropical fruit notes, lots of so lemon, I got it. lots of I lemon. I got grass. it. You did exactly. <laughs> okay. So that's and that's the exciting thing about it. It's very high acid. It's very crisp. It's very clean. It's very it's very fresh um, and 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 green and yeah, it's, it's lively. You should probably have some to more. Taste it a little bit. More. Absolutely. Well, I noticed okay, that your glass is. We didn't give you much. Well, that's... I was just going to trade you because my glass was looking not quite right. Right. I understand. But it looks better now. Thank you. It does look better now. Yes. And if you look at it, you can see there's actually almost hints of green in it. I know. Which is interesting. So it's gold flecked with green, like that spring green, just yeah. a tiny bit. So this is, I mean, what you're smelling in the glass, what you're tasting, it, it, it screams New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. It's so identifiable because the way it's grown there, the climate it's grown in, it doesn't taste this way coming from anywhere else. I mean, it's identifiable as Sauvignon Blanc. It has certain hallmarks that are the same as the old world, same as California, but the, nowhere else in the world grows this. It's very exciting. I love this stuff because what a food wine, too. I mean, with that acidity right? there, I mean, you know, what, you know, I mean, shrimp scampi with or salmon with like a really, yeah, like a lighter, lighter salmon, not as oily and stuff like that. I don't but know. I was thinking it would cut that fatty taste of the salmon, but the metallic quality of this tends to go against the fish oil. Oh, with like a, a really oily red fish. Oh, we, really? Okay. Yeah, they, it becomes very metallic with okay. when it combines. So okay. you want to be careful with like salmon, like oily fishes. You don't want to do it with smoked salmon. Kind of doesn't work. Yeah, no, I would think that would but be icky. Lemon and halibut. Okay. You know, cod and breaded cod and right. Um, orange citrus cheeses, 
um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Parmesan, all great stuff. Um, so yeah, so that's it. That's the, the wine and Nabolo. Well, what happened Blanc. to him? You have to what tell me what happened to the dude. Oh, Niccolo, Niccolo yeah, Nabolo. So he planted the wrong kind of grapes. He made some sherry. Um, well, he, he struggled for, for a long time with his brother and, but finally he actually became one of the leading lights, uh, of, uh, of New Zealand. Um, he, uh, he really jumped I mean, Nabolo is still a going concern. He sold it off, um, in the nineties, I think to another, to another, uh, wine buyer people thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nabolo has been, it's his name still on the bottle. They make three wines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they make a lower tier and an upper tier. This is the icon. This is their upper tier, but it's so affordable. I mean, a bottle of white wine like this, 26 bucks, you know, or so. It's so good. It so reminds me of that. That's what I love about the smell of this. Mm-hmm. Is that when I smelled it, I immediately went right to that. Were we on a beach? Yep. The water was about two hundred yards away. Okay, so I I went right there, mm-hmm. and I pictured it in my mind perfectly. But I remember falling in love with you. I remember talking all night. I remember feeling like it was. It was too hot. Remember, it was really hot. Mm, it was hot when the sun was out, and then it got cold, yeah, and then got I got cold, cold because I lost my coat. Weird oh, right. Uh huh. Right, and we didn't even try and put up the tent. So I remember because it was such a beautiful night, and that's what I love about this is that I can, I can just smell this mm-hmm. and feel like I'm in that place again. Well, with that's you. what wine does for you in a way that very few other beverages actually do. Did you know that your olfactory senses, your sense of smell, actually is one of the only senses that doesn't get processed through your forebrain first? No. That's why you have, that's why your, your sense of a smell can take you immediately to another location um, in a way. Because every other sense you have gets processed through your frontal lobe. But the olfactory sense, because it's a survival sense, is what they think, um, immediately skips past your front brain and immediately goes to fight or flight, starts pulling up associations, images for you. So your sense of smell is amazingly evocative. Um, but that's, you know, so that's what wine does is wine, because you spend time with wine as a beverage that you spend with no other beverage. You don't spend time playing with your beer. You don't spend time playing <laughs> sounds, with your gin I'm and sorry, tonic. That sounds wrong. But, but ultimately, I mean, for heaven's sake, you're sniffing it, you're 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 swishing it, you're spitting it. I mean, there's all sorts of, of really intimate things you're doing with a glass of wine that you don't do with anything else. You know, you generally don't. I mean, maybe What's maybe it? scotch, slurking, slurking, slurking. slurking. Okay, but, I had to get that word in. But that smell, you 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 share a really good bottle with a friend or with a with a loved one or or with a with a, with um you know even in a moment of sorrow, and that sense of smell associates itself with a moment in time and then the, you can go back to that bottle or a bottle similar to it and it will take you back in time in a way that very few other things can so that's one of the things i love about wine is that sense of smell that sense of place and how intricately they're connected along with the emotional responses that come up nothing else no other beverage does this it why does it taste better now than it did in the start because when i first started it was very cold so oh, here's a helpful thing with white wines don't let them give you a wine bucket uh, oh, you don't want one because wine, white wine, usually is going to be stored too cold in restaurants, and as it grows to room temperature, that first glass is going to be almost too cold to taste. It's going to be so cold that all you're going to get is acidity and alcohol. Um, you're not going to get the fruit notes, and so it's actually going to reveal itself and taste better as the wine sits out. So, as you, if you get a bottle of wine to share at a restaurant, say no thank you to the ice bucket. Okay, and let the wine warm. Throughout the meal, because you're going to get a different experience as you progress through it. And as the wine warms up, 
you would actually start tasting and sensing. It's a whole more. different experience. The exactly. smell is the same, mm-hmm. but the taste is a whole different experience. It does not taste like a, what did I say it tastes like? A sour. A sour patch, patch kid. kid. It does not taste like a sour patch kid or worm. Mm-hmm. It tastes, it's more, it feels more balanced on my tongue. And that's a your word, but I'm going to use it because it, well, I don't... because acidity isn't isn't slapping you in the face, mm-hmm. and that's what you're getting at first is just this dominating acidity. So, um, yeah, this came out of the fridge uh, that way, and it was uh, or refrigerator, um, so it was very cold. <laughs> um, and so normally when we first start off, I try to pour a smaller taste because it gives your hand a chance to warm it up and get it. Okay. So if someone's offering to taste you on a white wine and make sure you like it. Have a small taste and warm it up with your hand first to make sure that it's going to be okay as it warms up, too. That's brilliant. Nerd okay. notes. Now you can be cheesy. Nerd and notes. And wrap it up with this is the... Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us here something. at uh, some thing to drink about. <laughs> this was Christy Collins and no, Alex Van No, you have Van to Amber. say the wine again. Oh. Just really quick. Really quick? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Novel O Icon 2016 from Solving Blog from New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> Should we tank again? And be super cheesy. Super cheesy. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. See you next time.